Welcome to Southern New Hampshire University's Social Sciences podcast, Agents of Change. Here we invite students and professionals to chat with us on topics of inclusion and diversity, student success, and their learning experiences. In this podcast, we will hear insights and personal accounts of people who have persisted against the odds and impacted positive social change. Join us as we learn how we can all be positive agents of change. Hey, everybody. Welcome to yet another Agents of Change podcast, courtesy of Southern New Hampshire University Global and the Department of Social Sciences. I'm your illustrious host today. I'm Dr. Jeff Zarnick. I'm Associate Dean in the Criminal Justice Program here at Southern New Hampshire University. And we are really, really fortunate, lucky and blessed to have an absolute rock star in the field of criminal justice, justice studies, research, you name it. Her resume absolutely resonates. She's a game changer. And her name is Dr. Natasha Johnson. She is a clinical instructor and director of the MIS program in criminal justice administration at Georgia State University, a career educator since 2001. Her research focuses on, now listen, research, okay, focuses on critical theory, equity, and social justice leadership, particularly within the K-20 sector. Her other research areas include intersectionality, education law, policy and government, policy and governance, and curriculum development. She holds multi-state reciprocity and has previously worked as a teacher, guidance counselor, assistant dean, instructional leader, and curriculum developer domestically and abroad. She is a David L. Clark Scholar, a CETLOE faculty teaching fellow, and her work is published in the Popular Press, Taylor and Francis, the Rutledge Focus Series, Psychology of Violence, and several highly acclaimed educational leadership journals, among others. And this is just a snapshot of all the great things Dr. Johnson has done over the time. And we're going to focus in on one of her what just one of her fantastic uh, focuses on research, and this one, this article, this research piece that she constructed or created with some other highly, uh, just some great authors and researchers, law enforcement agencies, college education hiring requirements, and racial differences in police-related fatalities. Dr. Johnson, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to enlighten and, uh, and showcase what you've learned and how we can share that with our students as well as our faculty. So thank you for, thank you for taking the time. Dr. Zarnick, thank you. Thank you, SNHU family. It is really great to be here and it's really wonderful. I just appreciate this opportunity to share some insights that we've learned along the way, some tools, some tricks of the trade. I've been an educator. Yes. I can't believe it's been two decades now. It's uh, it's it's crazy to even hear myself say that aloud and just the journey. It's It's been tremendous. And with training, with education and with the, the path itself, I, I have learned a lot along the way. I don't even consider myself to be the quote unquote expert in the room because isn't the best educator always a learner first? And Agreed. so right, pulling all of these things together, all these tools, all these resources, all of this information, I, I I relish the opportunity to continue being the world's greatest learner, if there's such a thing. Well, there is. And by reading what you have here, there's no doubt about it. I've learned a lot. 
you know, this like that's why I said this piece that you wrote really jumped off the page because it's such an emphasis on, you know, on such a spotlight on curriculum content. What are we doing? What's our role and responsibility to create, you know, fair, just, critical thinking, compassionate, culturally competent, uh, you know, practitioners out there. So what did you learn during the course of the study? So I come in, of course, as an educator, and let me just uh, take this opportunity to thank my co-authors on this piece. Uh, Dr. Thaddeus L. Johnson, a, a former ranking officer from Memphis, Tennessee, he actually spent 10 years in law enforcement before we began our academic journeys. Um, Dr. William Sable, he's the former director, a former director of BJS, and now he's uh, also faculty at Georgia State University. And our fourth author on the piece, David uh, Snively, he's a current doctoral student at Georgia State University, also a current ranking officer in uh, Morrow, Georgia. So. I have all these heavy hitters, right? And <laughs> together we looked at data. So I just want to say that we were looking at the effects of agency education requirements on racial differences in police-related fatalities. So that required us to look at uh, the Fatal Encounters database, um, the BJS uh, Lemus database. Database uh, Lemus in particular is really good because you really can go back to 1987. And so Longitudinally speaking, we at least were able to cover data from 1987 to, to 2016. And so here I am, the perennial educator in the room, a person who actually also has written pieces on the merits of college education and really the role of those who are providing uh, the, the preparation and the services. So we always talk about education, but I think a lot of times we talk about it in a vacuum. Education is important, but why? Mm -hmm. uh, who are the people educating and and what is it that we're receiving? Because education doesn't come from nowhere. And even when we're talking about service industries like criminal justice, policing in particular, it's just as important that we know the backgrounds and the mindsets and the frames of the people who are providing the, this, this education. And so, yeah, we, we put this data together and we found overwhelmingly and overarchingly that education does matter. It matters, it matters a great deal. It's not so much just education it's completion. Uh, and so what's really important is that you have a lot of people out there in the abyss. Uh, I, I have college credit. I have hours. I'm not really sure what to do. I'm not really mm. sure what to get them. But what we found, again, overwhelmingly, and yeah, we won't throw the confetti just yet, but overwhelmingly, <laughs> college education matters, college completion matters, even at the level of an associate's degree. And so starting with the attainment of an associate's degree, going on up to bachelor's, master's, and so on, at the end of the day, all roads lead back to completion. Finish what you start. If you have a goal in mind, at least go ahead and set many goals along the way. But most importantly, finish what you intend and set out to, to, be, to, 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 to complete. So, Dr. Jones, let me ask you this about content. Okay, and what a student should be extrapolating from that content. In other words, what are the professional skill sets that, you know, that are optimal and how or why, what does content, what does that look like? What, it should, what should it look like in order to really support the demands of the changing profession, et cetera? And this is great because this is this is conversation that naturally right, ensues. People say, well, all education doesn't matter. Does it not matter? And the, the good news is and you, you'll see that about even the criminal justice, for example, and other uh, overarchingly. What, how do I say? Very transcendental, I guess, disciplines, disciplines right. that 
uh, communicate and interact with other spaces. Because, for example, CJ, it was always sociology heavy. It used to be, right? A lot of times you'd see a criminal justice in a sociology department. For example, you even have a lot of alignment with public administration and policy and such and law. Lots and lots of people get into CJ and then they translate that into some kind of law, legal, legal-based careers. So the good news is it wouldn't necessarily be about, like people don't have to go out and get degrees in criminal justice per se, not necessarily. Right. But the thing is, what we take away from as far as being prepared and, and, and being ready for the world, the same skills that are required in just about any space, right? Communication skills, the ability to think and process information, higher order learning, uh, uh, being able to interact not only with your peers, but how to how to advocate for oneself in, 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 in the company of professors and administrators and other staff members who won't necessarily know who a person is until they take that first step. That I, I, I had the opportunity a few years ago to interview a real great friend of our program, doc, uh, Dr. Uh, chief Delrish Moss. He was the chief of Ferguson post Michael Brown. And now he's back in Florida and he's actually back in uniform working at a college a great, a great innovator. And we talked about hiring requirements and what he looks for. And he said he had the opportunity to interview each candidate that was applying for that police department. And he was looking for social character. Can content, now let me elaborate on that. He said social character is, his question was, what have you done for a community outside of your own? And and you can fill in the blanks from there. He wanted to know how sensitive they were to others, et cetera, culturally competent and all that. So what is it about content and about teaching that can promote and reinforce that as an important component? Honestly, the, the, I think the, the biggest takeaway is bringing, making the space as real as possible, making it as real as possible, um, making sure that students are not just, because what, you, you're, Unfortunately, you have a lot of people who are teaching to content. Here's a book, there's 10 chapters. This is what we need. This is the material we need to cover, yada, yada, yada. You you complete a couple of assignments, you get a grade and you move on. And not necessarily, you know, the the, the takeaways that are real and and impactful and that are tangible, that's... That's not necessarily present, unfortunately, across all spaces. And and these are the skills that students, particularly in the justice space, that's why the justice space is so different, because you need these skills anyway. You need to be an effective communicator. You need to be able to advocate right. for yourself. You need to be able to, to understand how to take content and book knowledge and understand how that translates in real life. And now in the justice space, where a lot of decisions, not only do you not have the luxury of time, but a lot of decisions can end up meaning the difference between life and death and and trajectory setting and changing. And so, and even myself now as a, like I said, a perennial educator, and now I'm I'm in 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 the criminal justice classrooms teaching people who are looking to earn bachelor's, master's, and other advanced degrees in justice. And mm-hmm. it's so important that we realize all these, even these data points, when we study data, particularly quantitative data, we make sure that we reinforce the point that these data points represent people. These are lives. That right. These are not just, uh, yeah, this is not just for conversation starters or, or right. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. 
these are people. And so if someone really, and, and, and thankfully a lot of students end up just self-selecting into the major. And so it, it tends to be a different type of person too. So those types of conversations with students, like, why are you here? A lot of them, this is a legacy thing. You, you have family members who are already involved in law enforcement and they have a, an insider's perspective. They have a, a different lens about how this is going to translate to them. Oh, I, I'm here to make a change. Well, that's nice. But do you have any plans beyond that? Because that's still too vague. <laughs> <laughs> so true. The funnel can be wide. And so a lot of times people come in with the right intentions, with the right motives and beliefs and goals, but they still need to know how to translate that in real life because real life doesn't afford you the opportunity when you have three sec- three to five seconds to make a decision to decide, well, now I have to go pull up the rule book on that and I need to double check and see what would, what would somebody else do? No, you have to make that decision and you just stand firm. And so you need to be a, a certain type of person in the first place to be able to, when it's a matter of life and death, when it's you or a, a, a perpetrator, for example, or when Correct. a family and a, a somebody is in uh, duress, in those moments, Will that book knowledge help? Hopefully it will, but that can't be all. Still need to be a certain type of individual to really understand the nuances in real time. And again, that this is a space in which we're always dealing with people. Has to be not so much people-centered maybe, but people-led. Let me ask you, if you don't mind me, um, refer to something you've written in your article. It says, This assumption rests on the seemingly common sense notion that formally educated officers are more politically and socially astute, responsive to community needs, progressive in their values, self-disciplined, altruistic, and less prejudiced against minority groups. Would you would you elaborate on that? Surely. These are the things that we, we want to believe. And so, for again, uh, criminal justice tends to be a major that people self-select into. And so we want to believe that a person who takes this major, takes this major on, is someone who is, is here not only for the long term, but, but has bigger goals in mind outside of just getting the job. If you, want to, if you want to live cubby life, obviously, there are a lot of other fields and disciplines that will provide that option, you know, go be an accountant to something, right? <laughs> so... People who tend to think about the big picture, people who tend to be altruistic, people who tend to even think differently about the law, uh, the, the legal standard. You have to not just have conversations, well, I think the world operates this way, X, Y, Z. Where do these frames come from? Where do these beliefs come from? Right. Who is framing and shaping these things? For many people, and, 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 and our students included, religion, family background, culture, all of these things really help frame who that type of ideal uh, candidate is. And like I said, the good news is we have a lot of people who you get an associate's degree, for example, in a liberal arts, and then you decide, I want to earn a bachelor's degree. I want to further my education. And people find that the justice sphere can be encompassing in that way. Uh, We don't have a lot of people who take the traditional route, and by traditional, I would say criminal, um, excuse me, policing, corrections, um, policing courts, corrections. Mm -hmm. And above and beyond that, you have a lot of um, new wave, I think, thinkers now who are trying to see that translation beyond just the the limits uh, of, of those four walls. And that's who and what we need, particularly because education as a driver really taps into, yeah, those notions. Yeah, it's a little bit uh, 
idealistic to think that the standard CJ major is altruistic, but we want to really, as educators, we have an opportunity to tap into that. We have an opportunity to connect not just content in curriculum, but the people and what we want to see. So I, you know, I, I jokingly even let students know, like, uh, depending on what you have to say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Right, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, Professor Johnson taught me. Taught you what now? Let's uh, let's vet. <laughs> let's make sure. That- <laughs> so true. Yes, teaching is not for the faint of heart, especially in criminal justice, because so I mean we're we're on un- we're under the lens, the spotlight, Always. relative to you know uh, our responsibility and accountability. You know what are we actually doing in the classroom? So let me ask you this: What? for the sake of the students and faculty too, what is democratic policing? I see that what you have in your piece. So I like the phrase uh, community policing. Yes. And because when, when, you, when you look at something like community policing, you can't just say something like that without then unpacking who is the community, who are our constituents, who is it, are we, are we serving? Because we say that we're serving, but are we? Yeah, what, what's the, mm. what's the, And so democratic policing, just like any democracy, at least considers the two-way street. Uh, The two-way street is if I'm somebody serving a community, it makes sense in in a democratic uh, institution, a society of any kind, that I really get to know the stakeholders in the community. I get to really know the pulse of that community. I get to know things that a stranger or some some tourists wouldn't necessarily know. And you don't necessarily have to live in a community to really have that mindset. You just simply have to have those those real and right conversations. And again, understanding the pulse of, of, of these jurisdictions better than some anyone who's just popped up and anyone who's here for a nine to five job. And right, right. See, as with any other career in criminal justice, it's just not your standard nine to five job. And so uh, no policing, democratic leadership, period, it means really just getting to understand your people so much so that you can actually serve their needs in a, in a right way. In your, in your opinion, I know all courses are important. There's no question about it. In your opinion, what may be the most important course or courses that students benefit most by? So I tend to be partial, of course, <laughs> to the ones that I <laughs> Funny, but 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 seriously, I I have to say ethics is one of those courses because unfortunately, you don't have as many ethics courses as I think uh, th- that students really need. Uh, one course I don't think cuts it. I think one course really just touches on the surface and really gets students thinking, aha, and thinking beyond, like I said, the four walls of a classroom. For example, one of the assignments in, in, in our ethics class is an a, a ethical survey assignment. Students have to compose 20 to 25 questions. Uh, we, we, we make sure we give them the, the rubric and the guide so that it's not just yes or no questions. Right. <laughs> we need open-ended questions, but then they go out and they interview a minimum of 25 people, those same questions they designed so that they can get a better idea of what people really know and what their thoughts are and where they stand on the criminal justice system. And just about 99 times out of 100, my students come back so surprised. Oh, I just assumed that because people were older, they knew more. Or I just assumed that my friends, the people who I align with, my own stakeholders and community, that we felt a certain way about these things. I didn't realize that there was so much divide or I didn't realize that the spectra was so wide. And so 
what I would say is I'm, I'm not just saying ethics is that type of class, but I'm saying any class in which you really take the content and go beyond and get, get them out there. Go and talk to people. <laughs> what <Vote>. a concept. <laughs> Even voting. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> voting. <Right. laughs> always that conversation. Everyone, we're voting, right? We're, we're encouraging our communities and our families and our friends to vote too, right? And we understand why this is so important. And we understand that we all have a voice. And for me in particular, I love having conversations with students because there isn't a later, oh, I'm going to wait till I graduate or right. it's five years from now. No, 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 no. This, this work starts yesterday. <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, I would say I wouldn't even just say ethics, even though I'm partial because that's one of the classes. Those that's one of the classes I teach. But every opportunity that I have to get them outside of the classroom and and being active stakeholders and not just consumers of information, relish right. all of those opportunities. To they, yeah, there's there's no shortage of opportunity and there's no limit on being a better person, right? No, no doubt about it. So let me ask you this about curriculum. And I applaud the creativity. I think that's outstanding. Yeah, immerse them into some, you know, high depth baptism by fire sensitivity training so they can learn about people across the street from them. That's that speaks to that social character. That's a great exercise. But it's also a lot of work, Doc. So let me ask you this. There's a lot of pressure being put on responsible, progressive criminal justice programs, et cetera. And there are limitations. So what responsibility does the student have? Is a, there are limitations to what we can do as educators, et cetera. What, what should the students be held accountable for? What should they know when they're coming to their program? What's their role and responsibility? Right. The, this is great because the first thing that came to my mind is that students can, can definitely stop committing to the minimum. By the minimum, I mean, you look at the syllabus, you look at the course guide and you see, okay, here are all the things that I quote unquote have to do. And subscribing to the minimum simply means doing all the things that you have to do. And that's it. (laughs) And and not doing anything beyond that. Like even, I don't know, I remember a time when all you had to do was show up to class and was it 10% participation just for showing up once a month. So I'm saying beyond that, don't just show up. Everyone show up and show out. <laughs> Your presence matters. I even as a as a as a high school teacher, I'm taking it back now. As a high school teacher, I remember even when students something as little as when students were absent, the mm. next day they show up and say, You were missed. I promise mm. you, you were missed three words. Three words that made all the difference because a lot of them had perfect attendance after that. And so oh. beyond that, I'm saying that it is a two-way street. Uh I, I remember as I transitioned from high school to university, I said, whew, now I'm dealing with adults. <laughs> the adults <laughs> in the room for all and what did you learn, doctor? What did you learn? <laughs> right. As, uh, on my end of things, I realized that what I'm not doing, and this is resource uh, allocation at its finest, which are not, what, these are all spheres in which there are limited resources and limitless needs. So what you don't do is add more work. You you make what it is that you're doing more efficient. You, you take right. the same exact resources you're already using. For example, you have an assignment that's really a, a winner and students love it and it's great. It's probably an additional bullet point, an additional sentence or two, maybe a, a think-pair-share, which is always great because no matter what it is you think you know, you don't until you're able to articulate it. So uh, even in the classroom envi- environment, uh, 
the, the opportunity for students to really buddy up and, and be having active conversations amongst themselves so that you're not the only expert in the room as the instructor. You can't do it. Not in a classroom full of adults. No way. Right. <laughs> it's, it's about taking that ball and that baton and passing it back their way. What have I and, learned? What did you learn? How am I better? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, well, it's funny because you actually answered the question answer the question I had on the tip of my tongue was faculty responsibility and how they need to engage um, and their responsibility. In a nutshell, just kind of recap, what are what are the faculty's responsibilities? Because you mentioned it earlier, faculty, you know, they can come in, plug, play, go home, kind of mail it in, you know, they hit all they hit all the buttons, but are the students really, really learning or are they experiencing deep learning? So advice and, and counsel for faculty. Yeah, my I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, got, I just got excited. I, <laughs> no, no, no apologies at all. <laughs> understand the joy of waiting. And by that, I mean, I have uh, some some heavy hitters who tell me, they, I don't know, I, I put a question out there and I'm getting blank stares and it's silent and, you know, and no one's really responsive. And in the moment I ask, and what do you do? You, 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 you get frustrated and you, you fill in and you just answer the question, huh? I said, understand the joy of waiting. The joy of waiting means, remember, as the instructor, you're the person who's the expert in the room. You're the most prepared. Remember mm. that at the time that you've even asked a question, that's the first time anyone in the room has potentially heard it. So right. at minimum, ask it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. The time, and that's the joy and the beauty of having that space, particularly in the classroom in particular. Again, they, they have this opportunity to mess up to learn, to fall, to get back up, but it's a safe space in which that can occur. The right. world is not so much that place. And so this may or may not be that last opportunity they have. And so the the, the joy here is taking advantage of the opportunity to right. create that environment. It's okay to wait. I am that person. There are times when I ask a question, particularly in stats. stats CJ Stats is another class I teach. And why that's so important is people go, stats? What is that? You know, okay, it's stats. I'm like, yeah. But week one is when we talk about the fact that you see these data points, these are people. Right. And that is its own trajectory setter. It changes everything. I, I hear ahas. I walk around the room and they go, oh, no, no, no. You can't just three plus two. Three plus two, what? Three point two, what? What does this represent? And so, again, right. the joy is I don't, it's not more work. It's the same energy for instructors to just take the baton, take that ball, and put it right back. It's their court. You you know you're you're the you're the expert. You don't need this education. They do, and so it's it's prime opportunity to make sure to give it to them. <laughs> that is great advice, and I'm going to hold all of you faculty here at SNU accountable to what the doctor just recommended and said. And I'm sure I'll see an uptick in educated performance. Right? No question about it. Thank you for that. So let me. Ask, what's your what's your next? Uh, are you working on anything new? Any new research focuses? Right? Uh, focal points at this time. Oh boy, I'm uh, always, <laughs> always right. Right, yeah, right. I do have I have a, a few lines that are active. Like for example, I've been working uh, microaggressions, um, microaggressions in the workforce, microaggressions in academe. 
that was something that fell into my lap. And so I would say I'm just thankful for the opportunity. I'm in R&R mode right now working on the chapter in which we just talk about conversations around microaggressions and, and, right. and, and everyone's role in being a better ally. I also have uh, intersectionality in higher ed piece. Uh, that's in R&R mode as well. Um, Dr. Thaddeus Johnson and I, we write, we co-write a bunch of op-eds, especially specific to policing and policing education because, you know, right. He's the, the the former commander, and I am the K-12 former educator who knows that when you take policing and education and put them together, ah, we're blowing this right out of the water. So Absolutely, yes. I would that, just say- That's people- great. That's a great relationship. And I, I remember meeting with ACJ, so please give him my best. He's amazing. All of you are amazing. And you're not stopping. You're not sitting still by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm going to ask you, I know how busy you are. I would love to be able to book a follow-up with you because you are an absolute wealth of knowledge and more as progressive knowledge and it's effective. And like I said, this article you wrote here uh, in, in concert with the other experts just jumped off the page because I've been banging that drum for years. And it all I always found it somewhat frustrating that so many police departments and other CJ agencies don't require any higher education at all. I don't understand that. But nonetheless, this really promotes that uh, because there are facts. It does actually help. Any last any last words of wisdom for students and faculty alike, Doctor? So say you and I, we can always have a conversation about the merits of uh, recruiting the educated versus educating the recruited because there are merits to both also. Oh, right. This is all great news because when like I said, the, 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 we shouldn't throw the confetti just yet. No system's perfect, but but, right. but we see that improvements are being made. But I, I'm the, the the educator in the room. Of course, I want to stand on the hilltops and and let everyone know that education <laughs> still matters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is a crusade, and it's a lifelong crusade. And I want to thank you for the energy that you expend and what you've contributed to the whole body of knowledge in this particular area. It's a difficult area. The pressure on it has been exponential as of late. But with people like you at the helm in concert with, like I said, some of the other experts you've named who are participating, contributed to this article and other pieces. Dr. Natasha Johnson, thank you so much for taking this valuable time out of your day. I can say that your students are more than lucky to have someone like you at the top of the class. So with that said, thank you again, doctor. We'll end up closing out our Agents of Change, Social Sciences Podcast, our interview with Dr. Natasha Johnson and the incredible work she's doing. So make sure you listen up. And if there are any questions or comments, et cetera, can our students, uh, is it okay for them to perhaps reach out to you? Yes. And Dr. Sonic, thank you again. I'm already looking forward to our next interchange. This is... I don't do work I'm not excited about, right? And so I love <laughs> that that exudes. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I will look to book you. That's that's absolutely factual. So thank you for that because I know how busy you are. But uh, great people are oftentimes well, they're just busy people. So <laughs> I want to thank you again. So everyone, thanks for listening to this, and thanks again to Dr. Johnson. We'll close out the meeting. Everyone, be safe and be well. And thanks again. Have a great day, Doctor. You do the same. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to Southern New Hampshire University's Agents of Change, a social sciences podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us, and be on the lookout for more exciting episodes. Goodbye for now.